Welcome back, everyone, to the Greg Campy Show. We are recording live in Indianapolis as it was a travel day. It was recording supposed to be a travel day live. today. Recording live. Yeah, that's a term I just used, Coach. Is that? Did you make that up? or is I, that? I absolutely did, oh, okay. yeah. I've, I've heard it used in the business before, and I always thought recording, the same thing. Recording, recording live. live. We're so recording. How do you record dead? Well, I, I don't know, but I know it, it's probably along the same lines of having the number one rated show right. on a station in its time slot. Right. It's probably similar to that, right? Right. He is a so. coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy to have you with us. Uh, as always, the uh, Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. We are recording in Indianapolis due to travel, Golden Grizzlies and IUPUI, and also in Chicago this week. But, uh, Coach, you know, obviously a, a couple of big-time wins uh, for the squad this weekend back in the arena, but we're actually in the lobby of the Marriott, the courtyard by Marriott here just outside of Indianapolis, and business deals going on around us, but you guys are taking care of business too. You like that segue? Yeah, that, that. Did you sit here waiting for me, thinking of that? Oh, I, I had. Yeah, as soon okay. as I walked down here in the lobby, I uh, knew I was using that one. Yeah. Well, I, we normally start to show off talking about food, so you know Tuesday was fat, fat Tuesday. I got a lot of people tweeting at me about punchkeys. Um, so, I don't know, Neil. What's yours? Uh, oh, you can't eat sugar. Uh, no, I mean it's not that I can. It's just that I, I used to a lot. Right. <laughs> you know that that's kind of my thing. But you you have kind of a unique take, right? And you know, as far as the Poonchki goes, I remember throughout the years we've had this show and we've had this discussion. That's why people have asked about it. But you're a, to much to everyone's surprise, or a lot of people's surprise, you you were a big prune Poonchki guy. Well, I think that's the best. The, but see, I grew up. You got to understand, I grew up. Um, my mother was born in Romania, and so she and my grandmother would cook a lot of Romanian food. And there's a thing in Romania. Um, called clotita, which is basically a crepe, and but they fill the crepe in Romania with different things, jelly. They fill it with uh, a brick cheese with dill in it and that. And so I grew up on that. And you know, I, since my mom is, you know, moved in a position where she really can't cook or anything anymore, um, you know, I miss that kind of stuff. And I have a couple friends that, you know, Courtney Scott went to play in Romania, married a Romanian woman, so every once in a while I get a little, you know, a, a, a little taste of the uh, country um, from Courtney's wife, and then I have a buddy of mine, uh, Dr. Banda, a uh, dentist in, in Bloomfield Hills, who's a member of uh, a club I belong to, who has got Romanian blood, and his he taught his wife learned how to cook it, and so they fill me in now and then, too, and there's a few other people that'll get me some Romanian food now and then. Now, the reason I'm... St- went from Portuguese to to uh, Romanian Romania is because growing up my mother would cook or make and can jelly and she had she made the greatest plum jelly it was like there were two things as a kid that I had to have I had to have plum jelly on my clotito or on my toast or anything I had to have plum jelly and the other thing that I had to have was my mom made this banana cake with white cream frosting. So on my birthday, you know, I like all kids, on your birthday you get to have what you want. So, like, I wanted plum jelly and I wanted banana cake with white cream frosting. And as my mom, you know, as I grew up and went away, and you can't find, I every time I go into a grocery store or a specialty store like in Chicago, on Friday, when we go to Chicago, we'll stay downtown, and we're we're not far from a place called 
Italy, Italy. Um, for people that know it, it's it's an Italian place that they have all kinds of Italian wines, and that I always go in there and look for a plum jelly. And anywhere I go, I look for plum jelly, trying to find something that comes close because my mom made it with Italian plums, and it was only a certain time of the year that they were there. Right. So she would make it, can it, and we had to set the cellar downstairs with, all, you know, there'd be strawberry jelly and all this kind of jelly, and then there'd be Greg's Corner over here with just <laughs> plum jelly. And so when I, you know, when I got into the punch key thing, there are places... And somebody tweeted at me this week that, that plum or prune um, is really like an original for the punchkis, for the uh, Polish tradition of that. So, um, you know, I like, I, I've never gone into Hamtramck on Fat Tuesday, but that is a bucket list thing to do is just to go into Hamtramck and drive around and find the best, best punchkis. So, uh, you know, the problem is Fat Tuesday is always in the season. Right. Um, so for all those people who want me to retire, you know, when I do retire someday, <laughs> my first Fat Tuesday will be in Hamtramck searching for the best plum prune punch. And you'll leave is. no stone unturned, right? No, you, will, you will go to everywhere. You'll go to. And that, if that, I have to eat one an hour or a half hour, you're the man for that job. Or 15 minutes <laughs> until I find the right one, I will do that. Do Do you notice a, a law of diminishing returns w- with punchkis in because like they always talk about that with donuts that. The, the second one's never as good as the first one, and the third one's uh, never as good as the second one. That doesn't apply to punchkis, though, does it? It, it, it? They're all good. I don't know anything that that applies to for food with me because I just – the second season fries have a bit as good as the first one anywhere. But, no, I, this year I had three, and uh, I had two blueberry and one raspberry. And I, I – well, three and a little bit more than three because I had a bite of somebody's lemon because they said, man, this is good. you got to try this one. So, so you did. I, yeah. to, I had to. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't not. You know, if somebody wants you to do something, you got to well, do it. Well, you're looked to as, as a master in that field, too. I right. mean, you, you know, you're, you're a bit of a professor in that respect. So, yeah, you have to be worldly. I mean, if we're going to eat hot dogs with candy canes on or candy, whatever those were on there that we ate, uh, we surely can, if somebody wants you to try their lemon punch, you surely should at least put your finger in there and take a little bit of it. You, you owe it to the craft. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you certainly do owe it to the craft. But, hey, we can't break tradition, especially during a winning streak. So we, we always have to start the show with some kind of food story. And, you know, you delivered and, and, and your team delivered last weekend as well. A, a very solid win against Milwaukee. And then uh, that game Sunday against Green Bay will we'll go down in the annals, Coach, of, of great games in the history of the arena, the double overtime win. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of people that, you know, I, I think we forget, you know, we're caught in the moment. We think we forget about other great games and other great senior nights. We've had some unbelievable senior nights, um, none none better than the Max Hooper right. with his father transported in. Um, and you had the Martez Walker on crutches coming out. You had, I mean, we've just had some unbelievable senior days. And um, but that game itself, that that's top ten all time for me as far as excitement and how we won the game. And for this particular team, you know, as we've chronicled well, the nine losses, one possession losses. And the thing I kept telling them is, you know. We're going to get one, but we're going to have to earn it. It isn't just going to be thrown. We're not going to fall down and throw in a 40-footer or something like that. We're going to have to earn it. And 
it came true. I mean, the the basketball gods made us earn that game, and you know, you you think about it. There were three times we had to win that game, and we did all three. And uh, you know, and then even after it all worked, I thought McLeod's shot was in. You know, the old falling down, going from, out from of our bounds. angle where we yes. are, it, it, did it looked, looked like it was going to go. It looked in. dead center, and you know, I mean. Friday night they threw one in from three-quarter court. How many times in the last, you know, the last five, six years has just been. And I think when a guy stays at one place, you know, I don't think it's any different for anybody else or any other program. It's just because I've been here so long that it's you, those things start mounting up, you know. And, you think, right. wow, and, and it's been a really, really challenging last five or six years and stuff that's happened to lose games you know the go back to the tournament when Isaiah left the basket and we gave a layup you know when I had a team that I thought could win games in the NCAA tournament and then um you know the best player in the league last year throwing the, making a three when everybody in the gym knew that that was the guy who was going to shoot the ball and yet somehow he got it and you know that still shot at Javen's fingertips uh, yeah just well, off the ball yeah. it, you know and and you just think about, you know, four consecutive seasons have ended on, you know, one-point losses. And and so you, you almost become immune to it. I mean, when the kid threw the ball in it from three-quarter court at the end of the half, I just walked over to the TV and did my job. I mean, I, it was not like I even reacted to it. It was like, oh, there's another one. You want, you want a funny story about that real quick, too? Dan Waterstrat, who was on the court in Peoria when Bradley uh, did that exact same reaction he had that night. He just kind of laughed it off and moved on. Yeah, what do you do, you know? Boy, that, that one. And I, I was telling Steve Waterfield about the Southern Utah. Were you at the Southern Utah one that cost yeah. us the league championship? Yep. The kid dead sideways, left-handed from 45 feet, falling down, just, you know, gets rid of the ball by heaving it, and it banks in. And maybe it didn't even bank in. Maybe it just swished in. It was That's still the single most. The one at Peoria was close, but that falling down one at Southern Utah was, I mean, that one was unbelievable. But anyway, so you look at what we did. You know, let's talk about Green Bay first because yeah. it was the exciting one. But, um, you know, as I said, after the game to have that kind of crowd, you know, on a team that's, you know, we're, I think, 11 and 17 going into that game. and we have a final weekend, and we, we you know, we're, we're almost sold out both nights without the students on break. And, you know, it just, it was rewarding to those people, and it just, it really made a lot of things feel good, you know, the way we won the game. But, you know, you go back to the end of regulation. Well, let's go back to about 10 minutes, 7 minutes ago in the game. You know, we, we built that lead up to 9 or 10 points, and then we had a freshman make a mistake and throw, you know, going out of bounds with the ball. They couldn't score. They were, you know, we were on a way. Maybe we could get that out to 15 and put it and away. Put it away. And, and, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the ball, he get he got fouled on the play. It didn't get called. But still, you just can't flip the ball back. You know, that's basketball 101. You can't flip the ball back at your basket. I mean, you can throw it high up in the air. You you just can't give them a layup, which when they couldn't score, that just changed. I think they scored the next eight points or something like that. And so that, that was a key play in the game to get them back in it. And then we battled, and we're down two with, you know, what was there, 17 seconds or so to go in regulation. And Xavier makes a great pass to, to uh, a boogie to um, – Oladapo, 
and he gets tackled from behind. And, you know, I don't know why, but they went to the monitor, and in their opinion, they came back with, you know, a common foul. And, and so here's a guy that has not shot free throws well, that knows it and has spent a lot of time, a lot of time in the gym shooting free throws, put in a situation with f what, five seconds to go was no – Oh, there might have been more than that. A little bit more than that. But Five was in overtime, yeah. Um, and he goes to the line and makes them both. And then we get, you know, Trey does a good job on McLeod, and that, that one didn't have a chance to go in. So we go to overtime, and, you know, we've lost all our overtime games this year. We've lost all those close games. And the first minute and 20 seconds of overtime, it was like, uh, who's the Fairfield all over again? And we got a 13-point lead with four minutes to go, and we turn it over six straight times. We came down and made three straight unbelievable bad plays on offense, lackadaisical. And then it was like we can't win, and we jogged back and uh, gave up a layup, gave up another layup, and then gave up a then, – then I called timeout. I never called timeout in that situation, but I, it's, you know, here we are again. You know, we battled our tail off. We did this, and now we got a chance to win the game, and we're just not going to play. I mean, it was like I, I just couldn't believe it. And so a lot of good that timeout did because we came out of timeout and Rashad stepped out of bounds on an inbounds play. And they go down and make a three. So we're down seven, and, you know, the statistics of a team scoring the first seven points in overtime – I don't know what they are, but they've got to be astronomical. <laughs> and not winning? Yeah. <laughs> got to be astronomical. Yeah. I mean, we then, we came down, and I can't remember who. We scored a basket. I think we ran our little that little baseline play that we always go to when we need something. And we got the layup. X -Man, it might not have been a layup, but it was a little tough tough little shot, but a two-footer that he made it. And then we got six, seven stops in a row. And we got back in. And... Um, and then the worst possible thing could happen. I mean, and that's that's what I mean. The the basketball gods, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to do something spectacular when you're cursed the way that this team's been cursed in these games. And so we're we're up to. No, we're up one. We're up one, with the shot clock winding down. And um, we get to stop. And the ball's going out of bounds, and Rashad, for some reason, to try decides to try and save it. You know, just let it roll out of bounds. It's our ball with 10 seconds to go. We go down. We got another chance at a final possession. Right. And he tries to save it, and uh, he saves it right to them, and now we got a foul. And we foul, you know, uh, Hankerson, a senior. He makes both free throws, so we're down three with, with 11 seconds to go. And... We set up a play to get the th a three, and uh, the guy that had the ball, I'm not going to name games, but the guy that had the ball kind of panicked a little bit instead of getting and running it and getting it Rashad the shot. Trey saw Trey wide open on the other side of the floor. He throws it to Trey, and Trey's got a three shot fakes, and the guy runs by him and touches him. And the referee calls a foul, and Green Bay didn't want to foul. They were playing it out. They weren't going to foul. I don't know if the referee thought it should have been a foul or because that same play happening in the middle of the game, that little bump that happened. Was there contact? Yes. 
And it didn't really impact anything. No, I mean, yeah. Trey took the side dribble and was going up to shoot, and all of a sudden, the and I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, in that referee's mind, whether he was predetermined that Green Bay was going to follow him, there was contact, and contact was called. And I argued it, but that's not going to do me any good. They're not going to say, oh, no, let's replay it there and let Trey shoot it. You know? Right, right. <laughs> not even sure why I argued it, because it was not like I can get it changed. Um, so we go to the line. And, you know, we got a play, and, and we ran the play, and it worked. I mean, I know that's a question on the yep. later, so I'll, we'll talk about that play later when we go through the questions. Um, and we got the game tied. And then we come out in the double overtime, and we score first, and everything looks good. And sure enough, it, next thing you know, we find ourselves behind. Um, and at the end of this overtime, we've got the basketball. Um, and we shoot and miss, and Oladapo gets a rebound. And one of the things that Dan and I have struggled with all year is, you know, when you get a rebound, it is not a right to shoot the ball. You know, a lot of kids, especially <laughs> especially guys like Dan that are those, you know, garbage-like players that are do all that dirty work inside, the reward is, you know, camp's not running me many plays. You know, I want to make my own play. Right, yeah. so, and he always, as you want to score, go get an offensive rebound and score, you know. I mean, it, it's kind of a con contradictory thing because you're, you're, you know, trying to turn this guy into the guy that goes, gets the board and scores, which he was doing. I mean, 17 boards and 17 points in the game. But against Milwaukee on the night before, he had gotten a big offensive rebound and went up through six people and no fouls called, and all of a sudden Milwaukee's going the other way. And so, you you know, the time and the down and distance, as we always talk about, and Dan understood and knew down and distance. He kicked it out. He reposted. We threw it in. He didn't have an advantage. He, you know, a guy came down the double. He kicked it out to X, and he buried the three. And all those close shots that we had gotten X all year long and all those one-possession games when he had two-footers and four-footers, and he, we needed to have him out there because he buried that three where he, you know, hadn't been able to make those other ones. And so... People think about, wow, you won the game on that shot, but no, we didn't. We had to go down and get a stop. <clears throat> then we had to execute an inbounds play. We had to make free throws. We had to foul on purpose. We had to defend the foul on purpose, which just saw the other team didn't. Right. And we had to get it inbounds again, and we had to make free throws. So in that last 20 seconds after X's shot, we had to do about seven more things to win the game. And those are the little things that are the difference between winning and losing and we did them we did them flawlessly we missed a free throw but you know the, the, we're not a great free throw shooting team although brad's a pretty solid free throw shooter he's not a, he's not you know 90 percent or anything right. like that so he you know we missed one free throw we made the rest of them we executed the inbounds plays we didn't turn the ball over we didn't give you know we guarded and we got their misses everything that had hampered you guys to that point, there was uh -huh. always a stretch in every basketball game where those exact things you describe it played a part. At Milwaukee a month ago, at Green Bay, those same things happened in Milwaukee got the rebound or Green Bay got the rebound or Green Bay made the shot. In the Green Bay game, the freshman cut across somebody's face, caught it and made a runner to take a one-point game to three. You know, we didn't allow that to happen. We guarded. We really – you can say all the things you want to say, but our defense – our defense, other than the first minute and a half of overtime, was phenomenal. 
we really guarded and we rebounded. You know, our Achilles heel in league play is we have not rebounded really well. So we did everything we had to do. We got the monkey off the back, as they say. We we found a way to win a close game. It was an epic, epic game. I mean, the, it reminded me a lot of the Oral Roberts game right. when J.J. threw the runner in, uh, just a ugly shot that went in to win the game in that magical year we had. Um, but, the, you know, I mean, there's been four, five times in the arena with five seconds to go. There's no chance Oakland's going to win. But somehow. And somehow we found a way to win, and this was one of them. Well, you know, in today's social media day and age, Coach, all right, Coach, your power rankings now, one through five. Go through them all. <laughs> the top five games ever in the arena. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, just kidding, yeah, Coach. Yeah, I'm just yeah. kidding. We're late for a break anyway, so we'll all do right. that. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, there were some news that dropped actually today uh, in the Horizon League that I want to get Coach's opinion on as well, and uh, also uh, some stats that were pretty incredible that are coming out of the program as well. Also, your questions with the hashtag AskCampy. All of that and more. You're listening to the Greg Campy Show. Not live from RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills, but we're actually on location at the Courtyard Marriott in Indianapolis. We'll be right back with more. This is a Greg Campy Show. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies. He is a coach, Greg Campy. We are in Indianapolis, and in coach, a little quick side story there. We actually had to cut out last night uh, from the Detroit area due to the, the snowstorm that, that was happening. So we... We made the decision to, to come out here to Indianapolis late last night, got in, but we've been here all day, and that's why we're here recording the show at the Courtyard by Marriott. Yeah, right. We were we were scheduled to leave at 1 o'clock today, and uh, when I came in, Sarah told me that the, there were 5 to 10 inches, you know, in the forecast, and she had done all the work and found out that she could, you know, get the hotel an extra night, and, you know, it's going to cost a little extra money, but... We don't want to be on a bus, you know, if, if there's 8 or 10 inches of snow. We don't want to make a 5-hour ride, a 12-hour ride, and and how important, you know, the games are this week for us. So we decided to come down early, and we're sitting by a fire, and I was thinking maybe, you know, we should have brought a sign with us that we could have put up the cam. Uh, Cam uh, Evans? Yeah, Cam Evans' law firm, uh, <laughs> you know, the, radio the, show. Or just give him, because in RJ's, we, you know, we talk about him all the time. Yeah, him and Sue, we talk about all the time that, you know, this is their, uh, they fund the show and all that kind of stuff. And not, now we're here in Indianapolis by a fire. And, but it looked nice. We had a little Cam Evans sign up there. Uh, yeah, it would. We put it right over the fireplace, though. But the uh, the good folks here at the Courtyard by Marriott, more than accommodating for us. So we certainly do appreciate their efforts here today. But, Coach, uh, some news breaking. Tony Paul had the story in the Detroit News. Detroit Mercy uh, will not be eligible, as a matter of fact, to take part in the Horizon League tournament. And... You had some opinions on Twitter that were actually cited in the story that Tony Paul wrote, and you know your your feelings are pretty strong on this. Yeah, I, you know, for those that really, you know, most fans really don't know what APR is. Um, you know, Milwaukee, and I'd forgotten about that, but some people shot some questions or some comments at me on Twitter. Where was I? You know, a couple years ago in Milwaukee. But things have changed. I think the a the APR, in its time, was a really good move. It was a smart move, um, in its time, and they what what it what it really was. There's a lot of reasons for it, but it what it really was is we're not going to let schools run kids off. You know, 
we're not going to let that happen. We're, we're, you know, you you've got a scholarship. You've got you're committed to that kid. If that kid, you don't you know you don't think that kid's good enough, and you want to get rid of him and get somebody better, you know you you're only going to be able to do this a few times. You can't make a living doing that. Otherwise, right. your APR score is going to you know keep you guys and and you know when you when you fall below a level, um, basically what APR is this? Okay, so Neil, you and I come to Oakland University and we're on scholarship. At the end of the first semester, we're worth two points. Are we academically eligible, and are we coming back? And the answer is yes. So you got two points, I got two points. At the end of the second semester, the season ends, and are, are we academically eligible? I am, but you're not. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to go to the NBA anyway, Coach. Okay. <laughs> so... Are you, but you're going to come back and get yes. eligible and play next yes. year. So now you're a three for four, and I'm a four for four. You have 13 kids. Let's say you have 10 kids on scholarship because the math is easier. And you, you're the only point we lose. All right, so we have 39 out of our 40 points. If you do the math, you got your phone right there. What's the math? 39 out of 40 points, probably point nine seven five or something yeah, like roughly, that. Yeah, roughly, yeah. Okay, so my APR score for this year is point nine seven five. Over a four-year period, your score has to be .930, or you're ineligible. You lose, uh, you lose practice time instead of the 20 hours. I don't know if you go down to 12 or something like that. You have to put a plan in place that shows how you're going to rectify it, rectify right. it, and, and graduate. So as as time's gone on, we we all we all figured it out. The problem, you know, then as it as it went on, they saw well. Like, I've had six guys leave the program that we lost points for that went somewhere else and graduated. So those we should get those points back, and that's what they're looking at now and, and that maybe that will happen. Um, but, you know, the stats, the statistics out there said something like if you were it's 2.6 or above, your chances of, a gra of graduating with a college degree are good. So the NCAA put in a thing, okay, so if you're if, – if a kid – so – Campy now is a four for four at the end of the year, but he decides a month later I'm going to leave, and everybody approves it. Back in the old days, how you went through the transfer and the sit out and all that kind of stuff, and I was a two point six or above, then I'm still a four for four, unless I said nope, I'm going to a junior college. I had to be going to a four year school, and if I went to a junior college or I was below two point six. Then I'm only three for four, and now we were now we're 38 out of 40, which takes that score probably down to 950, right? Though your decision had nothing to do with the program that you're, there was right. no impact on the program right. that you were leaving. Right. You decided this. Thing, I though. decided that I just didn't want to play at Oakland anymore. Nobody's running me off or anything. Mm -hmm. So now they've, as time as they've tweaked this and and figured it out over time, um, that they've linked. They've linked the APR to potential money from the NCA that gets put out. So there's a disbursement from the NCA to member institutions. And the amount of money, there, one of the prongs in that disbursement is APR. If you have this certain APR, if you do this, if your retention rate's better than your school's retention, it's, it's very complicated and we don't have time to get into it all. But that's why APR is... It's going to take a while for it to change because it's linked to this this money. So now you have this this APR and it's working. And it's you know there's a couple schools now and then. I mean UConn 
won the national championship next year. They couldn't play in the NCAA tournament. So right. there's been very few times that it happens because schools are cognizant of it. It's the biggest, most embarrassing thing that can happen if you're not eligible. Everybody in the country knows about it. Like, um, you know, if it happened to us, there are schools places in this country that have no idea where we are and then all of a sudden they're reading about us and that's not a good thing so it's sure there's an embarrassment to it there's this there's that okay but the whole world changed about three years ago when this group of kids that started out in the fifth grade and i can rant now that mommy and daddy didn't like the way they were being coached on the fifth grade travel team and he should play with his buddy over here, and he's not getting enough playing time, and I'm paying for him to play. So if I'm going to pay for him to play, I he needs to play. I'm entitled you to know, that experience. Right, I'm entitled to the, that he plays. So I don't like this coach because he's not playing him enough, so I'm going to move here. And as those fifth graders became sixth graders and eighth graders and tenth graders, and now they've got their way into the, the college level, their whole life has been that. And now – a freshman who, you know, especially in our program where freshmen don't play that much. I mean, there's there there's a few K Felders out there, but not many. I it's mean, Travis rule, yeah. Travis Bader was redshirted as a freshman. I mean, there's some of the great great players that have come through. But anyways, so the mentality now is play right now or go somewhere else. And now all of a sudden, you see the amount of transfers in Division One basketball went from 200 to 300. To 600, and then they put the transfer portal in. And now, the organization that put APR in to stop you from transferring opened up the doors to transferring. Now, I'm not going to debate should they have done that or didn't. I can't debate it because it's there. Whether Greg Campy's opinion of that is meaningless, it's nothing, you know. But what I'm doing is I'm telling you that. We put this in because of this, and then we open the door, and then we're going to punish players at the University of Detroit who had nothing to do with it. Weren't there? Had none, nothing, none of them were there. Have nothing to do with these kids leaving. We had six kids leave. We're, I mean, we're next. I mean, we could be – we could be – we're not just the only – a lot of people are next. Right. Because you don't like – you don't like that you only play. I mean, I got some freshmen that hardly played this year. You know, if they stay true to what's happening, we could see them leave. Well, I didn't, I'm not running them off. I'm not, you know. But yet, Oakland could be punished for that. Well, so yeah. that's what I don't like about it, Neil, and that's why I think that we have to change it. And I don't know the inside out of Detroit, but I do know that None of those kids left. They're all there, and they don't get to play because some other kids left or whatever the reason is. That's, that's my hang-up with the right. camp is that Antoine Davis and, and the rest of the roster there at Detroit, they get four cracks at March Madness in their life, right. theoretically. They get four chances at it. One of those chances are gone. They had nothing to do with, with what happened right. as to why they lost right. that chance. That's, and, that's not fair. And that's one, not fair. Right. And one could say that the coach there has only been there two years, so, you know, one could say, I again, I don't know the ins and outs. But, nor, yeah, nor do I. But one could say that he, he 
what did he have to do with it? You know, he came in and took over a place where they had had a bunch of transfers. And when any time a new coach comes in, and that was part of the APR ruling in the old days, we didn't want, you know, school X fires their coach. The coach comes in, hates all the players because that's why the guy got fired. I'm going to get rid of all you guys. And APR was going to keep you from doing that. But now... The coach, by the time the coach gets there, they're all gone anyways because they all jumped into the transfer portal on their own. Right. I mean, you that's prevalent everywhere. I do think s- smarter minds will take over, but I think it takes time to make change. Well, that's not going to get this opportunity back for the for the kids from Detroit Mercy. And that's why I tweeted what I tweeted because yeah. I was, you know, I'm a small little guy that maybe somebody read and and said, what's going on here? You know, and maybe somebody looked into it and said, okay, can't we, until we figure out the transfer portal, can't we punish schools maybe in a different way? Maybe, I mean, I'm sure Detroit, if they said, okay, we're going to, because of your numbers this low, we're going to take a scholarship away from you. Instead of 13, you have 12 and until your your number gets back up above and until we can figure out and tweak you know, the the point, the retention point is the part of it. I still think the academic, the APR needs to have the academic point. I do think that's important. And if you go back to what I said, if you're eligible, you get a point, And if you stay, you get a point. Why not just get rid of the retention point and change the numbers and have an eligibility point? And then you have to have so many points. You know, so many of your guys have to be eligible over a four-year period. And if you've, if you've got eight guys that are ineligible then something's wrong there, something's going on, and, and we need to look at, A, who you're recruiting, B, how you're, you know, what your support system is and things like that. That makes way more sense to me, you know, punishing the school or not even, I hate the word punishment, corrective measures to a school to help us get to the perceived goal and not punishing by saying, Okay, Antoine Davis, you, you're one of the better players in this country, but you you don't even get a chance to try and play in the NCAA tournament. And you have four cracks at it in your career. We're going to take one of those away. Right. And you had nothing to do with it, by the way. And if you're a senior on that team, and do it's they over. have seniors? Yeah, Miller's a senior, right? I believe. I don't have the roster in yeah, front of me. Uh, I probably should know all that, but I'm getting ready well, for IUPUI. So should I, but, hey, you know, when these right. games are over, I, we, we move, move on to, to the next, next one. Right. I mean, that's that's the way that but, always works. But so there's a kid that's not going to get a chance. And, and I, I just – I know they're a rival, but my heart breaks for him, man. It yeah. does. It does because yeah. you only get four looks at it and have one taken away. Just bottom line is not fair. We'll take our next break. When we come back, we have coaches for – or, excuse me, questions for Coach with the hashtag Ask Campy. We'll get to all those. Take a look ahead to IUPUI and Chicago as well. You're listening to the Greg Campy Show. We're recording live, as Coach uh, enjoys that phrase. We're at the court here by Marriott and Carmel, Indiana, IUPUI in Chicago, coming up next for Oakland. This is a Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group, recording in Indianapolis, Golden Grizzlies and IUPUI, coming up tomorrow night right here on your home for Golden Grizzlies basketball, Detroit's 1130 AMWDF and the fan, also on the iHeartRadio app anywhere around the world. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of Golden Grizzlies. He is a coach, Greg Campy. Coach, you ready for these uh, Twitter questions? we got a All stack right. of them to get to. All right, let's go. All right, our good friend, MDFun89, who uh, comes out to the uh, Greg Campy Show frequently, says, all right, Coach. He does. Um, yeah, he does. He, he, I mean, yeah. I have to point him out to me sometimes. Yeah, I will. I will for sure. Uh, he says, okay, Coach, how long has that free throw play from Sunday been in there, and have you ever tried to run it before? And uh, there was a lot of talk about this play 
where you guys were able to intentionally miss a free throw and get a basket off it. Yeah, we talked earlier, and I put it on until now. So we've, we've practiced it one day this year. We put it in and practiced it one time. And um, over the years, we've had it in. I can only remember one other time that it worked. I can't really remember the number of times that we've tried it, probably two or three. Um, remember we tried it against Northern Kentucky a couple years ago. Um, it didn't work. But, you know, Toledo last year, X got the rebound and missed. Um, so, anyways, what, what you do, what we did on it is you have to understand that Trey Maddox has, is at the free throw line, and the guy at the free throw line has to shoot a perfect miss for it to work. It doesn't have to be per perfect, but darn close. His, his miss on Sunday, perfect. It was a 10 out of 10. I yeah. mean, it was soft. It was on the rim, and it laid there, and it gave Xavier time to get there. And what we what we do is we pick the side we're going to miss it, and then we take the the our offensive rebounder on that side. You know, they're trying to, as the shot goes up, they're trying to box out, you know, basic basketball. You get your hip into you and drive you out. And instead of going at the rim, we sprint across the lane and screen the guy that's boxing out X. And so it all comes down to the guy guarding Brad has been taught in your whole life, you drive that guy out, you don't let him go. And so he went with Brad, and the guy that was supposed to check X out uh, got screened, and X came off that, and there's no one there. He's all by himself on the right side. Just as the ball's coming off the glass. Just as the yeah. ball's coming off the glass. Now the key to it, too, is that so there's four guys in the lane, the two high guys, what are they doing? And usually the way we do it, if we're the defensive team, is we pinch, which means the guy guarding X because I think they thought that X would be, you know, the guy that we were trying to get the ball. So the guy in front of X would box him out, and the guy behind X would pinch him or stick his foot over X's foot or, or throw a hip into X's hip, so it's two guys one on top and one behind. If they had not done that, if if they had had X's side shoot, get the shooter, and Brad's side pinch, then that guy that pinched with the ball would have caught up right to him. But we were fortunate when we guessed that. I get. I mean, it was it was logical fortune being fortune because you're going to guess they're going to keep you know X all league players. So so the guy that was on Brad's side above Brad had to check the shooter out because a lot of people will use a play where they just try and bang it off the rim right back to the shooter. So you must, in that case, you must check the shooter. So that guy checked the shooter, which left this big hole, and Trey came up perfect with the miss, and, and Brad executed the screen to perfect. I mean, we just, it was perfection, it the right place at the right time. But give the kids credit, too, that, you know, you, there's lots of plays out there that work. You just got to execute them, and they did. Coach, speaking of that, um, we I had an ask Campy uh, from our staff. You know, Colin Colin McDonald, our our video guy. He had he had come across this play, and he wanted me to ask you about this. And I said, well, I'll wait till we're on the show because I think that this is pretty good because he saw this in play one time before, where kind of the same scenario where you have to miss the free throw. Okay, you have to miss the free throw. We'll do exactly what you guys did, and X has to get the rebound. Assume you're the defensive team in this situation. Assume you were Green Bay, and you have the possession arrow if you're Green Bay. What's to stop you 
from stepping your foot across the line and getting a line a lane violation every single time and then having to have the shooter continue to shoot the shot until eventually it goes in because i we almost did that we were going to do that because we had the two times now at the end of that game in the you know when i said those last 10 seconds we had to do what they did and one of the strategies is to do that to see what they're doing on their play especially since they have no timeouts if they have no timeouts left mm -hmm. and um i thought about doing that then what would keep you from doing it every time is a travesty of the game the referee could see and that you are on purposely doing that if you on purpose do it once He's not going to call a travesty right. of the game, which is a technical foul. And so you could do it once just to get what they're doing. Um, but I felt pretty good that the momentum was in our way and that we would, you know, I got I got big guys that I think can get, get an off, a defensive rebound if they miss. Um, but the reason for Colin that you can't, so you do that every time. It, it's, you know, you for sure, all right, for sure, if you do that two or three times, referee's going to tell you stop it, and then you do it again, he's going to call a travesty of the game. So um, that that would be keeping people from doing it. Now, one of the things, if you had the arrow that some people would try, is like they would step in and kind of like bump the guy next to him and try and bring him in too. And you can get yourself in trouble doing that. You know, if you got bad officials and it works – and they call a you know they call a lane violation on both of you. Then the team with the arrow gets, gets the, ball. the ball, right? And so the game's over. You get the ball. But if you have a really good official out there, and he knows what you're doing, and he deems that you do that on purpose again, he can call a travesty of the game, and uh, and you could end up losing the game that that you've probably got a 95 percent chance to win at that point. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So we were just we were kind of kicking that around. Um, let me see here. We got more coming in with the hashtag AskCampy at Oakland U fan. Uh, Coach, do you keep stats on how your team performs after eating at some of your favorite establishments on road trips? Will there be a, or a second part of the question, will there be a Portillo's hot dog stop on this road trip? I know that second question is a dumb one and is obvious. That's a pretty dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a pretty dumb question. You keep stats on uh, – uh, I know you did in the I, past when I you know, go to Western Illinois. Yeah, I know that we've eaten at Portillo's all seven, six years. Is this our seventh year in the league or sixth? Sixth years we've been in the league. What's our 12 and 2 against Detroit? So that'd be 14. So 14. This is seven. Seven years. Year, yep. All right. So we're we're six and zero oh in Chicago. In Chicago, and we've eaten at Portillo's every time. So uh, that's a good stat. If you're into facts. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a good stat. We did eat in Portillo's in Indianapolis last year though, and we lost. But it was after the game. Right. We didn't eat before the game. It was and after it wasn't the game. in Chicago either. Right. <laughs> Second, another question here with the hashtag Ask Campion. Well, we we were really good at Western Illinois when we had Sunrise Chicken. We were. Maybe yeah. this, maybe the Sunrise Chicken wasn't really really good, but we oh, were good there. Sunrise Chicken. No, it was, was good. Awesome. The sauce. The sauce yeah. was something else. Uh, this came up during the Michigan State game against Iowa, and a f good friend of our show, Dan Dockage, who's been on the Greg Campy Show in the past. I uh, was doing color commentary for the game, and he told the story. He said, I, I heard the official say, hey, Tom, shut up, and Tom Izzo said, okay, sir. And that was what Dan Dockich said happened. So one of our fans tweeted in and said, 
has this ever happened to you where ref has told you to shut up and have you ever responded by simply saying, okay? He said, I don't believe what Dockage is saying about Izzo, however. <laughs> I don't believe a ref told Dan, that Tom Izzo to shut up either. Right. I've done this for 36 years as a head coach, 42 overall, and I've never heard an official tell a coach to shut up. Uh, I've heard him. Like I, some, I thought I saw that question. I thought somebody tweeted it at me, so I answered that question on Twitter. I said that I've never been told, hey, shut up. I've been told I've had enough. I'm not going to take any more. I've had enough. And usually when I hear that, that makes me use a four-letter word just to find out if they really have had enough. You're dipping your toe in the water, right? Well, you just, Get the temperature. You know, you guys, you're going to threaten me? Is that what you're doing, you know? Um, most of the guys, you know, I'm in – most of those people that I know and have good relationships, when I when I start to cross the line, um, they'll say things to me like, you know, hey, your team needs you to get in that huddle. Your team needs you. Go coach. We'll take care of this. We're doing the best, you know, blah, 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 blah. And usually I'll make a statement. When they say that, I'll make a statement like, my team doesn't want to hear anything I got to say, which <laughs> will make him smile and laugh and realize that, you know, hey, we're – we're okay here. I mean, it's, it's a heated the moment, right. but it's over. Let's move on. You know, you try and do that. I mean, we're human. They're human. Um, I was not happy in the Green Bay game. Uh, and I might have said it. I might have crossed the line a couple times in the Green Bay game because, you know, that was a big win for us, big, big game for us. And a couple things a couple things went that shouldn't have gone. And, but you know, I, I, can, I can sit here, Neil, and tell you I make mistakes. You know, I, I make mistakes during games. Uh, hopefully, make very few, and hopefully, it's not every game. And hopefully, but I I make a mistake now and then. Well, so do the officials, and they know that. I know that. They know I make mistakes. I know they make mistakes, and you, we can get on each other about that. But it, it, when you cross the line, you got to step back. And I've had officials cross the line with me, and I've crossed the line with officials. I don't. I'm not happy about it when I do it. I understand why sometimes, and I usually try to make amends somehow for it. And so do good officials do too. Poor, there are poor officials out there that don't. But there are good officials. Most of them are good officials. And uh, you make amends with them because you, we're gonna see, I'm going to see them again another five times. And so, you know, I think, I think there's a respect level between head coaches and, and referees. And if you can, you know, I mean, the, the, if a referee comes to me and says, camp i blew that one man i'm sorry what am i gonna say it does you know? let the air out of the balloon doesn't right. it what are you what, gonna do right unless it's the seventh time he said it <laughs> right. right there's a shelf life to <laughs> right <it. Yeah>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but you know and i'll and i'll say to him okay my bad you know hey i, I maybe i crossed the line i'm sorry let's move on you know i mean you'll say things like that you, you know, I, i got I was fortunate enough to be inducted into the uh, Michigan Hall of Fame. And I had officials come to the ceremony, drive hours to get here right. to come to that ceremony. And I think that they do that, they did that because of they understand who I am. And, and you know, you, people might stand there and watch and think I'm crazy. And you know I I, I I get that, 
but at the same time you really don't know what, what I'm saying and what's being said and and you don't know the relationship and things like that and there there are officials out there that I consider really close friends um in life but I know that during those 40 minutes I'm going to say some things to those guys and they're going to say some things back to me and and we're going to compete you know and they're going they're out there competing too they're out, they're competing not to win a game they're competing to have the perfect game yep to call the perfect game right, right. and so well, their job depends on it, too. Final Four assignments, national championship assignments, all that stuff. Right, and they make good money now. Yes, they do. Officials make good money. They're, they're, there's a, there's good money to be made in officiating major college basketball. So they all want to do that. It's their livelihood, too. And, and when you got an, an asshole coach saying things that are getting after them, they've got to handle that. Just like when they make a call that can affect the outcome of the game, and it's a bad call. And there's going to be those. I got to understand in the moment they're, you know, why, you know, they made a bad call. Okay, let's. I'm going to say something then, but let's move on from it and forget it ever happened. All right, coach. Let's take our final break here of the night. Come back. We got uh, about six, seven minutes left of the program. I got one more Twitter question as well, and uh, we'll talk quickly about IUPUI and UIC. We have another question too about the tiebreakers and stuff. We'll get to all that and more. You're listening to Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back. Final segment of the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group recording in Indianapolis. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of Golden Grizzlies. He's a coach, Greg Campy, and coach. Final couple questions here. We got about six, seven minutes left of the show. Here's an interesting one from Jake Wolock, another frequent attendee of the Greg Campy Show. Do you have any insight on the current tie-breaking scenario for the number six seed with Milwaukee? What needs to happen for us to host a home playoff game? Well, there's a lot of scenarios that can happen. For us to have a chance to host, we have to win both games. If we win both games, that is not guaranteed that we would host. The best-case scenario out there, this is the single best-case scenario out there, is that we win our last two games. Detroit beats UIC. And uh, Green Bay and Milwaukee both win both games this weekend okay mm -hmm. if that's the case that sticks green bay as the third seed and then there is a four-way tie between milwaukee oakland uic and youngstown at nine and nine all right that's for fourth for fourth and the way the tiebreaker would work out then is milwaukee we we if we went out we would have split and we'd be four and four. Milwaukee would be six and two. No, they would be seven and one. Milwaukee would be seven and one. They beat, they split with us. They beat Youngstown twice, and they beat UIC twice. So that would make them. Two, four, five, five, and one. It's not eight games; it's six, six games. games right? We would be three and three. Okay. Uh, that's where I, I knew I screwed that up somewhere. <laughs> All right, let's start over. So, if those things happen, there's a four-way tie for fourth. Milwaukee would be five and one. Oakland would be three and three, and the other two teams would be uh, two and four. So, Milwaukee would get the fourth seed. Oakland would get the fifth seed, and we would play Cleveland State at home. 
if all that happened. So that that's a lot to happen, and probably none of it will happen. <laughs> but but that is that is the single best case scenario for Oakland. UIC loses to D Detroit and Oakland. Oakland wins both games. Green Bay and Milwaukee sweep their weekends. Now we we would be the fifth seed. Green Bay would get the bye. Milwaukee would play IUPUI. Oakland would play. Uh, Cleveland State. Cleveland State. And then the fifth, the sixth seed would be UIC because they beat both, right? They, they would have split with Youngstown, but they beat uh, Wright State, so did Youngstown, but they beat Northern Kentucky and Youngstown didn't. So that would put them in the sixth seed and Youngstown would be the seventh. So in that scenario, uh, Youngstown would be playing at UIC. Oakland would be playing... Cleveland State at home, and Milwaukee would be playing IUPUI. That is the single best case scenario for us because if then Milwaukee were to lose, let's say we win, we beat Cleveland State at home, we would either go to Milwaukee or we would host again if IUPUI beat Milwaukee because then they reseeded and then we would be Green Bay would be three. The next one in is us at five. So those would be the two home teams. So the only scenario that we could get two home games is, is, that, scenario. is that scenario. That would be a hell of a parlay for entertainment purposes only out in Las Vegas to hit that, right? Well, you think about <laughs> it. UIC would have to lose two at home. Odds of that aren't right, good. Right, right, right. Youngstown's playing really well. They would have to lose at Green Bay and at Milwaukee. That's probably 50-50. That is, yeah. And then Cleveland State would have to lose both games. Well, Cleveland State could beat Green Bay. They just couldn't beat uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Although, if, if they beat Green Bay, no, no, no. <laughs> the Green Bay would be 10-8, and eight, so they'd still be the third seed. Another so. another scenario that could play itself out, too, would be the Golden Grizzlies to win both of these games, IEPY and Chicago. Milwaukee splits their, their last homestand against Cleveland State. How, how, would, how would that if, shake if itself If that out? happens... If that happens, we'd be one game ahead of Milwaukee. Right. So we would we would be the sixth seed, and Milwaukee would be the seventh seed, and we would, we host, would host Milwaukee. But then we would be going to Green Bay if we won. Yeah. Um, the the that could happen. Um, if we lose, we're going to be on the road. There's there, there's no way we can lose and and get a home game. So we have to win both, else we will be on the road. Final couple minutes of the show here, Coach, and for you guys, a, a couple of stats that, that I saw from John Hevron's game notes. Uh, Rashad, Golden Grizzlies offense is almost 10 points better per game, 9.5, 9.6, something like that, with well, he's, Rashad he's, in the he's, offense. He's averaging 20 a game. Right, yeah. right. And you, That usually helps. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> does. Uh, Boogie Oladapo has moved into the top 10 in Horizon League rebounding. Golden Grizzlies occupy three of the top 10 rebounding spots in the Horizon League. And I told you that before we went on the air, and, and a really stunned look came on your face. Well, that's been our Achilles heel is right. the rebound. You know, not defensive, re not us going the offensive glass, but defensive rebound, keeping the other teams off. That's really hurt us. Um when we go to the offensive glass, well, we usually win. That, that's, a, you know, when all those metric things that we do and all those little special stats we have, one of the things that pops out the most is when we offensive rebound, we we win games. So that's something that we really try and emphasize is that the stats say that. Um, you know, the, the thing with Dan is 
Here's what I learned coaching Dan this year. He's way better starting than he is coming off the bench. And when, when you know, we tried, we were losing games and we were trying to find the best. We were looking at the numbers and his, his plus minus was not good. Um, his, you know, so we started tweaking and moving and then Rashad became eligible and let's go small instead of big and then we were getting killed on the boards. And the the what we found is when he starts, he's engaged. And if you look at a lot of our games, he scores a lot of our early points. Mm-hmm. He gets offensive rebounds and scores a lot of our early points. And so, there's just a junkyard dog out yeah. there, too. And, and from a mentality perspective, I notice that has an impact on the basketball game. Yeah, and I just think that he he sees himself as a starter. He sees himself as one of the five best players on the team. And the role of coming off the bench – I don't think he embraced it very well. And so as we've figured this out, as when you have 10 new players, it takes time to figure things out, and you got to go with different things, especially when you're losing games. you got to mix it up and try things. And you come full circle, and we're back to starting the three bigs, and, and we're playing. You know, We've won four in a row, and we're playing pretty good since uh, since since that's happened. About 45 seconds on this, Coach. UIC and IUPUI this weekend. Uh, two teams that you lost to in the arena. Uh, what needs to change in order for you guys to get two big road wins? Well, we lost IUPUI. We got obliviated by UIC in our own building. So let's just worry about IUPUI right now. Uh, we got to guard Burke and we got to guard Minette, and we guarded the heck out of them. They made anything anyway. So um, 69 we, points between you know, the two in that first game. We've got to hope that that doesn't happen again. They've, those two kids have gone off like that a couple times this year, and they win when they do. Um, when they they go off, but never together. And in that game, they went off together. And at Green Bay, they won at Green Bay too, going off together. So you keep know, those horses in the barn. Right? If one of them goes off, we can't have the other one. So you know, we're we're looking at you know some special situations on what we can do if that happens. And uh, you know, you may see some gimmicks out there uh, if it does happen. You know, we're Mojo gonna, will be proud. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna guard we're gonna guard them head up first. But if 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 we if it doesn't work, you you'll see some stuff. All right, Coach. Well, as things shake out here for the Greg Campy Show, as it stands right now, this this would be the final episode of the season. However, if the Golden Grizzlies are able, when the Golden Grizzlies are able to win this whole Horizon League tournament thing, Coach, you up for one on the Wednesday following sure, we'll when we get one. back into town? We'll do one. If we win it on Tuesday night, we'll do one Wednesday night. We'll do it at RJ's. We'll do it at RJ's. And I'll, I'll buy students their drinks and their fries. There you, and there some you go. pizza. <laughs> and some pizza. There you go. But I want to say a big thank you too for Shea, to Shea Norling back in our WDFN studio. He's he's been incredible this year, getting everything lined up so we could put it on the podcast. And and Shea deserves a, a lot of credit, as do all the listeners, all of you out there as well. You guys have taken this to the next all level. The, all the people that show up at RJ. All the people that show up at RJ. Russ and Russ Jr. at RJ staff. Yeah, yep. everybody. It's it's this show's really you know, turned into something kind of special, and I'm looking forward to next year. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll worry about that after we're back on Wednesday. So for the head coach, Greg Campy, my name is Neil Rule. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you that Wednesday after the Horizon League Championship. Thanks for listening. Well, see you later.